Well, thank you, Miata. Thank you, worship team. What a wonderful worship time. What a great, uh, just a great introduction to this evening. It's good to have you with us, and I trust that you have been touched by the presence of God where you are as we have been here. My name is Duke Bendix. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Covenant Church, and it's uh, my privilege to minister tonight and to introduce a new focus for 715 for this fall season. We're going to do something that we have never done before, and that is study through an entire book of the Bible between now and Thanksgiving. Our study will be from the book of Colossians, a letter from Paul to a church that he'd never been to, just like Grace Covenant Church. I believe it'll, uh, in it we'll find that it sets out truth, eternal, timeless truth that will provide for us needed perspective, elevation, and faith-building power for where we are today. Timeless truth for the times we're in. And that's going to be our emphasis here for the next several weeks. Clearly, we're in a troubling time. COVID-19 has brought a shift. As we heard on Sunday, just the emphasis, and as we heard a couple of weeks ago from Pastor Jim Critcher, we're not in a season of change, we're in a shift in the very structures and patterns by which we do life. We are experiencing change not unlike the tectonic shifts, the tectonic uh, shifting within the earth's crust that brings earthquakes and reconfigures the landscape. We're realizing that this is not a season of adjustment, but an epoch, an extended period of transition and alteration. This is a time characterized by a number of things. First of all, fear and uncertainty. COVID-19 has made the future uncertain, the steps forward unclear. It's a time of turbulence and unrest, racial tension and division, cultural and moral redefinition, intense polarization that silences dialogue and closes meaningful discussion. We're in a time of economic uncertainty, and not surprisingly, we're in a time when families are experiencing intense pressure. All of this has caused there to be, for many of us, maybe for you, certainly I think for most, a loss of centeredness. It seems we are adrift and directionless, as evidenced by our anxiety, by our uncertainty, and by the anger that we find expressed in our social and public media, and sometimes you may find that even in your own hearts. We're like the captain of a boat that has lost sight of the channel markers in the night fog and risks running aground. So it is timely for us to seek God and to find the certain fixed points of light upon which we can set our focus and by which we can regain our sense of bearing and move forward with renewed confidence and rest. And Colossians is a study that is going to help us do just that. In it, we find some of Paul's grandest revelations of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. This letter looks at the Christian life And please note this, because I'm going to be developing this a bit today, or tonight rather. It looks at Christian life from an eternal vantage point. 
addressing those things that are now before us, but doing so in view of what God has done in Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ, we live in two worlds. We live in this present evil age, and as citizens of heaven, we are to live with our focus fixed upon the age to come. So what can we expect to find in studying Colossians? What will help us find the perspective, the hope, the strength, and the security that we need in this time? I want to just touch briefly on four different aspects of this book, four things that this letter can bring into our lives, and then I'm going to briefly elaborate on each one. The first is we find in Colossians a powerful gospel, the good news of hope that goes beyond simply forgiveness and sin management, and I'll elaborate on that at some length here in a moment. A second thing that it brings to us is a preeminent king, the vista of Christ as the exalted Lord is found in Colossians like really nowhere else in Scripture. A third thing that we find in Colossians is a provision of life. Vitally joined to Jesus Christ by faith, we partake of the age to come. Now, that's a biblical phrase, and I'm going to develop that as well, so hang on to it. And fourth, we have a priority that gives focus and direction to us individually and to our life together and our lives as we live them in the world. So let me briefly look at each of these four themes. And really these are the themes that you find in the book of Colossians. And we'll be developing these in detail in the weeks ahead. The first is a powerful gospel. The gospel that we put that's put forth in Colossians or that's reflected in Colossians is a good news that goes beyond simply dealing with sin, finding forgiveness, and ensuring that we're not going to be judged after we die. Paul writes this to the Colossians, since hearing, we have not ceased praying for you since we heard of your faith, Colossians 1, 4, and 5, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel of Colossians is one of hope. Hope from which apparently sprang faith and love. Now how does this happen? How is it that faith, that hope rather, is a catalyst for faith and for love? We normally think that faith and love give us hope. In the New Testament, the gospel message is the good news that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that will one day be fully revealed fully established on earth, that ultimate consummation of all things that will come about with the return of Jesus Christ, that eternal kingdom, the gospel message through Jesus Christ is that that heavenly government of our Lord Jesus that he teaches us to pray for, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that kingdom is now present in this world, 
having come into the world with the advent of the King himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. With Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and with the coming of the Holy Spirit, the victory, the power, and the life of the age to come, that ultimate fulfillment, has come to us now through Jesus Christ, and we have entered into and experienced that reality. Not in its fullness, but in a measure. We are now partakers of the reality of the kingdom of God. Let me read that phrase of that statement again. With Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and with the coming of the Holy Spirit, the victory, the power, and the life of the age to come have come to us through Christ. And we have entered into and experienced now in measure that reality. Being born again is the result of recognizing Christ's rule, of believing him to be Lord and submitting to him in repentance, in faith, and obedience. In response, he forgives our rebellion and he quickens us by the Holy Spirit with new life. The life of heaven we understand and call eternal life. Paul writes in verse 13 of the first chapter of Colossians of what this new birth has produced, that through it the Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Notice past tense. With our faith in Christ, we have been brought out of one thing and now placed in another. We now live in the realm of the future, the kingdom that will one day be seen by everyone. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the king. That time will come. But we, for our part, have already entered into it. The age to come is now present, not in its fullness, not in any way, shape, or form like it will one day be, but we are now partakers and participants in that reality. We have changed allegiance. Our citizenship is in heaven. This is the gospel of hope that we who believe have been saved from this present darkness to live now in the reality of what Scripture calls the age to come. That future fulfillment of God's rule, which will one day be fully realized with Christ's return, is what we now draw from, what we reference, what gives us a sense of hope in the darkest moments that we live in now, because that is what is going to be established ultimately, and we draw from that reality in the present. We have entered into that reality now. With the saints of history, we live in the tension between what has already come and what is not yet fully realized. Every day, being alive in Christ, being citizens of that future fulfilled kingdom, living in that, in that kingdom as we have it now with us, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, every day, being alive in Christ, we have opportunity 
in the passage in Hebrews 6 to taste the heavenly gift and share in the Holy Spirit and taste the goodness of the word of God and and taste of the power of the age to come. This, folks, is what it is to be saved. It's to live now in the reality, having forsaken our rebellion and come under the rule of the king, we are able to draw from and live by and live out of this reality that is literally the life of the future experienced by us now. This is the hope of the gospel that the Colossians held to. And to this they were told, as we are told by Paul in the, later in the first chapter of Colossians, continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This is the hope that initiated, that was a catalyst for love and faith in the Colossian church. This is the hope that is to catalyze and initiate love and faith in our lives in this church and out of this church into the world. So that's the first thing we're going to touch and experience and explore in our study of Colossians, a powerful gospel. The second thing, already touched, uh, touched on this, but it's a preeminent king to whom all things, including the turbulence of this time, are subject. This is the exalted Lord that Paul makes a powerful declaration of in the the mid part of the first chapter of Colossians, and we're going to be looking at that. For him, he writes, by him and for him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through him and for him. You begin to get the picture that nothing lies outside the purview of our Lord's authority, our Lord's control. And this, along with hope, is a fortification of our faith. David speaks in the Psalms often of the Lord as a rock and a high tower. It's a declaration of Christ's preeminence of his sovereign authority over all things that elevates us, that gives us a vantage point from which we can look over the heads of our enemies. Seeing Christ's preeminence, as as is put forth in Colossians, has the effect, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, it's always kind of a neat deal, but when you, sometimes you'll take off on an airplane and you're going somewhere and you take off and, and you're, you're maybe on the edge of a thunderstorm or maybe it's been a really rainy, stormy day. You're taking off and as you lift off the runway, you immediately begin to go into maybe some turbulence. The clouds are all around. The rain is beating on the, wind, on the windscreens. And then not too long after that, you break through that and you come up over something And for as far as you can see, there's no ceiling. And as far as you can see, it seems almost endless. And below you is the storm you just went through, the cloudiness, the turbulence that you just went through. Seeing Christ's preeminence has that kind of an effect on us. 
It's like flying up through the rough storm clouds and breaking into that place of higher altitude above the storm. Scripture always gives us the vantage point of heaven through the understanding and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We'll find in Coloss- that Colossians offers us timeless truth, a revelation of Christ that is able to restore our centeredness and give clear light for navigating what's ahead. A preeminent king. A third emphasis we're going to be able to look at in Colossians is, is a provision of life. Paul unfolds what it is that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, this amazing provision of life. Being vitally joined to Christ by faith, we are transformed as partakers and participants, as I've said, of the age to come. Whatever it goes on in our life by way of difficulty, by way of challenge, by way of meeting obstacles, is to form Christ in us as preparation for living fully in what is to come. And we, for our part, have the privilege and the opportunity to learn how to do that and to grow in that. But God doesn't leave us without support, without strength to do so. Paul writes in Colossians, again later in the first chapter, to them, to us, he's talking about, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery of Jesus Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Colossians, Paul opens to us the full assurance of understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of Christ. These are the things, this is one of the things we'll be looking at. So as to understand and live in the provision of Christ, to be rooted and built up, Paul says. In Christ, we're not to be tossed or driven or carried away because we are joined to the one in whom the very fullness of deity dwells bodily. And we have been filled with him. Again, Paul writing in Colossians. Clearly, we are anchored to what does not change. And it causes us to be able to weather whatever storm, whatever difficulty, and to never lose that sense of confident assurance that comes from hope. Because we partake of God's own power in life, we can live as people who are free from earthly passions and fears. Colossians ministers truth that steadies us and fortifies our faith. Such truth gives us, as it were, handholds for the climb we're undertaking. We have something we can hang on to, something we can pull ourselves up front with. Truth, life, faith, and of course, hope. And the fourth thing <clears throat> that we'll be looking at in Colossians is the priority that gives us focus and direction for living life individually and together as God's people in the world in this present age. Colossians 3, Paul says this, again, a very famous uh, declaration that he makes, halfway or midway point, kind of the hinge of this letter. If you have then been raised with Christ, now keep in mind, he's talking about something eternal. He's talking about something that goes beyond 
temporal world, this temporal understanding or what is defined in terms of just what we experience in this world. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. It gives us a focus on where our life is to be found and what it is our lives are to be about. As we make Christ the focus, the priority of our lives, he empowers us to move past our own passions and to be redefined as people who live life in light of eternal truth and perspective. He lifts us, he lifts us beyond earthly identities, part of that redefinition. And Paul talks about this in Colossians. He lifts us beyond earthly identities such as race, ethnicity, wealth, power, and powerlessness. And he calls us to be defined in terms of who we are and who we are becoming in Christ. That's the defining reality of our lives. We have outward aspects of our lives that certainly that we can certainly enjoy, that we can take a degree of pride in, that we can be identified with, but our identity that goes beyond all of that and transcends all of that is who we are and what we are becoming as disciples of Christ, in Jesus Christ. As his disciples, we live according to the virtue, grace, and faith of the kingdom of God that is characterized, again, Paul writing to the Colossians, by kindness, humility, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, putting on love and letting the peace of God rule in our hearts. This is in complete and total contrast to the spirit and attitude of our present time. Such focus brings peace and it empowers us to have ordered families, and to live in this present world in a way that testifies and gives evidence of the kingdom of heaven now present. How does does the world know anything about the kingdom that is to come except by what they see and, and realize from what we're drawing from and from what we manifest and what we give example to? So this is what we have to look forward to. From now until Thanksgiving... We will study and explore and seek to apply the truth of God that we find in Colossians. Every Wednesday, we're going to examine some portion of Scripture to gain understanding, but more than gaining understanding, we want to be formed and shaped by what it says. Join us. Study along. Read the passages that are coming up. You say, well, Pastor Duke, I don't know what the passages are that are coming up. Well, don't worry about it. We're not going to cover any more than about 6 to 11 verses on any given Wednesday because we're taking this in small bites. So I would just say, and if you look at the book of Colossians, you'll see that it kind of falls into natural groupings of passages. Read through that. Study it yourself. Work through it along with us. Look up the cross-reference verses that are in the middle page of your Bible or maybe at the bottom. Study, meditate, and pray, and then come each Wednesday and compare what you've discovered, what you've heard, with what is ministered that evening and be broadened by it and be strengthened by it. Let me just close this evening with an invitation. 
You may have never heard this gospel of the kingdom as I've presented it here this evening. This message of hope that is established in power and victory in life that comes through faith in Christ. You may have realized that you, in the sense I was speaking of this evening, have never been saved. That you've not submitted your life to Christ and received him as Lord. Forsaking the power of sin and Satan that characterizes and darkens this present age, you realize you've not entered into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. If that's you, then you can do so very, very simply, and you can do so right now. If that, is, if that resonates with something in your heart, then just pray with me this simple prayer. Jesus I recognize that you are Lord and King. I bow before you and submit my life to your rule, your direction, your purpose. I forsake my own self-rule and ask you to forgive my rebellion toward you. Fill me with your life, with the life of heaven by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for you hear me and you receive me. Now, if you prayed this with me, then I want you to to share your decision with us by clicking the raise your hand button there uh, in the chat box, and then push connect with us, or text new life to 25827. We want to connect with you and to help you discover what your next steps are for moving forward in this relationship with the King. It's so important that you not recognize, that you not see salvation simply as, well, I'm not going to be judged after I die. Salvation is something we can enter into, we are, t- we are to enter into very much in this life. Now, will I go to heaven when I die? If I'm living in the life of God now, if I'm living in eternal life, I may not even know when I die. I'll just transition right on in to the world to come the age to come. If you need prayer, if you have a prayer need, please click on the the live prayer option in the top right-hand corner of the chat box and and you can schedule a time. For one of our prayer team members, they'll contact you and they'll contact you and pray with you.